Og lige nu her på DR1 sidder Tine Goethe klar til at præsentere TV-avisen. Dear listeners, thank you for tuning in. This is Planet Mundus. My name is Jan Willems and I will guide you through today's show. Our topic today, corruption in Brazil. Dear listeners, three billion dollars. That is the alleged scope of the current corruption scandal of Brazil's partly state-owned oil company Petrobras. Three billion dollars. That could easily buy you 10,000 Rolls-Royce flagship cars, the Phantom. You could even afford almost nine times Roman Abramovich's 160-meter yacht, the Eclipse. Or, of course, you could build and run schools from now to eternity and back. It is understandable that the Brazilian people took it to the streets in the last weeks and protested against a corruption that seems deeply rooted in the system. So how can we explain this huge scandal? To answer this and other questions, I have the honor of having Brazilian journalists Giselle Garcia and Pedro Enrique Barreto with me in the studio. Would you like to introduce yourselves to our listeners? Hi, uh, it's a pleasure to be here talking to you. Uh, yes, I am a journalist. I work for the Brazilian Communications Enterprise, which is the public communications agency in Brazil. And I have more or less 10 years career as a journalist in Brazil. Hi, I'm Pedro. Also with a 10-year career in Brazil, had worked on print and radio media and had gone through the main communication agencies in the country. And it's a pleasure to be here. One spicy little piece of detail that you might be interested in is that you are also a couple. Uh, I will, of course, uh, not promise anything, but I'll try my best so that you stay a couple even after this show. So bear with me. Against the background of this current corruption scandal, can you paint us a picture of what life is like in Brazil? Oh, yeah, and I think life in Brazil is a blessing, but differently from maybe a lot of foreigners might think we're not the happiest people in the world today. Uh, we've seen these cases of corruption going in federal level, state level, and it's been hard for us to see all that on the news, uh, talks with friends, and realize that it's been different uh, from the past, and it's hard for us to take some action into that. Yeah, and I guess it's a very important moment for the country because it's the first time that we see people going to the streets to protest against corruption. So it's a very important moment for us. Okay, thank you. Um, after this little introduction, let's turn to our first contribution to the episode by Nehal El-Sharif and Ole Kroosgaard. Use close as Planet Mundus. What is corruption? But corruption is the abuse of entrusted power for financial gain. So when a bureaucrat wants money in order to give a permit, or when a policeman takes a bribe instead of giving a ticket. Well, I've never bribed anybody. How big a deal can it be? Actually, it is a pretty big deal. The World Bank has estimated that more than one trillion dollars are lost each year due to corruption. That's about 2% of the GDP of the entire world. It's a lot of money. So one trillion dollars gets in the hand of people who have no right to them? Yeah, and that's not even all. The study does not account for loss of tax income. For example, when a big company bribes its way to lower taxes. Okay, but what does that really mean? Good question. I wondered about that too, so I called Connie Dupont from Ibis. That's an NGO that works in countries with high levels of corruption. 
it means that resources that the country has, any resources, human resources, financial resources, are diverted to improper use. Corruption as a phenomenon is recognized as one of the greatest challenges because corruption constitutes a hindrance to sustainable development. And corruption is also heaviest on the poorest and most marginalized people. Okay, okay, but aren't there always corruption in developing countries? Well, it's true that there are more corruption in developing countries, but Brazil is actually a well-functioning democracy. Freedom House, an international watchdog, rates Brazil highly in the categories of freedom, civil liberties and political rights. But it's still corrupt. Uh, Unfortunately, yeah. In the 2015 report of Freedom House, you will find that corruption is a common trait in almost every sector in the country, including the judiciary, police and the government. Is corruption a new phenomenon in Brazil? Oh no, there have been several scandals over the years. One example is the first president directly elected after the end of the military government. President Fernando Collor managed not only to be the first modern democratic president, he was also the first president impeached and removed from office because of corruption in 1992. Ironically, he later made his way back into politics and is today a senator and is right now being investigated for, you guessed it, corruption. (laughs) So, a clear history of corruption. But up to a million people are now demonstrating. What's going on? Well, Brazil is on the spotlight for many reasons. The World Cup that Brazil hosted last year was accompanied by many demonstrations and unrest. The economy has also taken a turn for the worse. The International Monetary Fund is projecting a tiny GDP growth of just 0.3% this year. Not enough to keep people confident in their leaders. Also, several high-level corruption allegations have come to surface after President Dilma Rousseff took office in 2011. In the following year, not one, or two, or three, but at least seven ministers resigned because of financial fraud. And what are the corruption scandals this time? There are actually two major cases. The first one is uh, the oil giant Petrobras. Authorities are investigating more than 50 people, including politicians, for alleged bribery and money laundering worth $3 billion within this state-owned oil giant. This case has been described as the country's biggest ever corruption scandal, since many high-ranking politicians are involved. President Rousseff is not under investigation, but she has had to defend herself in the media, as she was the head of the Petrobras board when some of the bribes were paid. What about the other case? Well, prosecutors are probing accusations about widespread corruption among tax officials. The finance ministry is claiming that these were isolated acts, but investigations has revealed that the losses surpassed $6 billion over 15 years. $6 billion? Surely that's too much for isolated acts. Exactly. Which explains how up to 1 million people took to the streets across, across the country last month to protest against the slowing economy, the higher prices and the corruption. Some of them were even demanding the impeachment of President Rousseff. Esto es Planet Mundos. Thank you, Nehal and Ole. Now, those were some huge numbers, both in terms of money and also in terms of the protesters. What makes you personally most angry about those protests? I guess the problem with the protests is that there's no clear definition of what would be the right decision or the right, the right goal to, to overcome the problems the, the country has today. Uh, we do know that the problem over there is corruption, 
but it's a little bit difficult for the population to identify who's the main target. Uh, it's not a president, it's not a specific senator or a specific politician. I guess the anger overall is how these people that should be representatives uh, of our population are not doing their job correctly and they haven't been they done their job correctly for years and years. Yeah, I guess they are protesting to get a change. I mean, they've seen corruption in our society for a long time. You could ask, but why they are protesting just right now? I would say now they are kind of tired of seeing that much corruption in our society so they are asking for a change and uh, they think that the change could start in the government in the congress so they ask for a political reform they ask for changes in the way government behaves so that could be the beginning of something different in our history in our country Now we got a little assessment of the scandal from Jens Bertelsen. He is the founder of GAN Integrity Solutions, the company that created the widely used business anti-corruption portal. The Petrobras case is exceptional and it's going to have widespread consequences for the Brazilian society. Since the knowledge about the Petrobras case became public, the value of the Petrobras shares has fallen with, I think it's approximately 84%. That's serious. Secondly, due to uh, the investigation going on, no new licenses is granted to Petrobras. And that means that a lot of Petrobras partners or companies selling to Petrobras have to cancel arrangements or contracts. And that even goes for Danish companies who work with Petrobras. Finally, the present president of Brazil, she used to be the chair of Petrobras. So far, she has not been charged but if it raises some doubts about her quality as a leader, and can you trust her? So we now heard how the scandal is being brought back also to Dilma Rousseff, to the current situation. Is that something you would put your signature underneath, Pedro? Actually, I don't think so. Uh, we see protests, we see demonstrations, actually against, as I said, corruption and against the whole political system in the country. I don't see... The figure of a single person, just as the president, uh, being the main target of everything, even though when we talk to people, of course, the general insatisfaction uh, uh, ends up at the federal government, of course. But that is... Uh kind of strange that we have a president that was the leader of the board of Petrobras and now she's not under investigation so we could question why not maybe okay thank you this is an excellent starting point for our next contribution from Freya Eriksson she will shed some light on the societal roots of corruption Andesedang Mendengar Planet Mundus Brazil scores 43 out of 100 on Transparency International's Corruption Perceptions Index, with zero being highly corrupt and 100 being very clean. To find out more about these perceptions on corruption, we called their expert on Brazil. I'm Alejandro Salas. I am a Mexican political scientist, and I have been working in Transparency International in the past 10 years, and currently I am the director for the Americas. We asked... Where do the Brazilian people feel the corruption the most? I think that for citizens of Brazil, where they feel that corruption is worse is when it affects 
directly the quality of their life. They feel it when they don't have uh, water in their houses. They also feel it when the quality of the education of their children is poor. So as Brazil has succeeded in moving people from being in extreme poverty to start being part of an emerging middle class, these masses of people are demanding less corruption because they care about it. It affects the quality of their life. What makes corruption in the country possible? Yeah, well, the question of what makes corruption possible is actually an excellent uh, question. It has to do with education. It has to do with values. It has to do with with tradition. No? In, in many Latin American countries, including Brazil, for many, it is a positive value that if you manage to get into government, you are going to give back to your family and friends. Like if, if I get elected in Brazil or in Mexico to be mayor of a small town, uh, the first thing that I will do is give a, a good contract to my cousin, uh, hire my wife, invite my brother to have a, a to become a, a parliamentarian, you know? And, and people are expecting this. It's seen as a positive value. What can the ordinary citizens of Brazil do to fight corruption? Well, I think one of the of the main things uh, that needs to happen is they they need to say no to bribe paying whenever it's possible. No, another another very important thing is that people should stop voting for corrupt politicians. When looking at anti-corruption tools, what are the most effective measures that you know? There are a lot of things that can be done. No, you have. Uh, a better education, and then there are other more concrete, no? which is, uh, for example, electronic government. If I have to do something with a computer, it's very I, I, I am not able to, to pay a bribe to a computer. Do you think hosting the FIFA World Cup has had any influence on corruption in Brazil for the better or the worse? I think it has had an effect for the positive, right? because it put, in a, in a way, it put the spotlight of the world into Brazil. And the other one is that the citizens got very angry. And what do you think is going to happen now that all the cameras have disappeared again? Well, that I'm not so sure. With the scandal of Petrobras, I see news every day. <laughs> yeah, of course, the cameras have disappeared in terms of the World Cup. But remember that the Olympics are coming. Something that I would love to see, actually, is that the authorities they should make an effort to make these Olympics the cleanest of all times. I think they should grab the opportunity and be as transparent as possible and have citizens participating in the decisions, etc. I, I think it will be an example also for the rest of the country. This was Freya Eriksen for Planet Mundus. This is Planet Mundus. Thank you, Freya, and of course also to her interview partner, Alejandro Salas, for this enlightening piece. Uh, now, Giselle, you have worked in the political system yourself. Have you witnessed instances of corruption? Yes, I did. Uh, what we see is that our politicians, they have strong ties to uh, the companies, to multinationals, to big companies. So uh, these companies, of course, they go to the politicians to ask for favors and the politicians ask for something in return that could be uh, money to finance the campaigns and or money uh, like briberies for example and uh, 
we know what we see as well is that these politicians usually they don't take this money from the bribes or from the the companies just for themselves they also use this money to finance the campaign so they give this money back to the parties and this money is used to finance the campaign so they are really worried about remaining in the power about being in the power so that's more or less how it works about this topic of coming into the system and getting money and getting power it seems a little bit that some politicians don't see their vocation as a way to help the people but actually just to enrich themselves yeah well uh, i think that's a, that's a that's pretty agreed on brazil we see that being a politician is a target over there uh, it's not something that a person really thinks he will help his society or community by putting out a project that will help the daily life, but a target in which this person would get the appropriate money to help himself, to help his family, and also to help friends. Uh, we see some strange cases over there in Brazil. One of them, for example, not so long ago, uh, a minister, which means a very important public figure, uh, was nominated, and the minister was a little bit Old. Let's put it that way. It was between 70 years old and 80. And what happens in our country is that on these very first big positions, uh, they're not technicians, actually. They're politicians. Uh, they should be able to make decisions on the area they are. This politician was in the Ministry of Tourism. And the guy that simply it was well-known from everybody did not know anything about tourism. What happened to parliamentaries like this, deputies and senators, is that they get monthly, besides their wage, what we call special care for expenses. That works special care for guests, for airplane tickets, for cooking, for things that help their daily life, which really, besides their wage, it's something outrageous in our opinion. While this person was a minister, the media found out that some of these special care money, I guess, the one related to gas or something, paid a small party in a motel with prostitutes. I don't know if 10 or 12 people. A guy's an elderly guy, full of energy, I suppose. And simply after days or weeks with this pressure from the media, he had to withdraw his position as a minister. Now you could ask, was he still a representative? Yes, he was. The problem is that he was targeted only while he was a minister. These things happen a lot in Brazil related to the media uh, pressure and, wa and working as a, as a watchdog. Politicians are targeted until a certain level. After that, they're kind of forgotten. Wow, that is uh, quite a story. Um, <laughs> the political system can never exist without its societal counterpart. So would you say that corruption is deeply ingrained in the society if it is possible that the political system is so corrupt and uh, persists for such a long time? Could you give us accounts on corruption in the societal daily life of Brazilians? Yeah, you can see corruption a lot in our society in small things, just like uh, someone trying to convince a policeman to, to 
to take some money in order to release uh, a, a fine or to not give a fine to to that person and the policeman taking that bribe uh, instead of giving a note to to the person that's one normal example and you can see these small things going on in different levels of society I guess you got to take into consideration again uh, how huge Brazil is. We had this culture of bribing of how ingrained corruption was uh, on a large part of society, large, a large part of, of the population decades ago, I would say. Now you can still find this kind of small scale of corruption, maybe in smaller cities in a very border of the country without that much education, infrastructure, people living in rural areas. Uh, what we can say is that we do live in a better country related to this sense of corruption being ingrained. Uh, citizens in our main cities, uh, I guess we don't see corruption like that anymore. People being stopped by police officers and trying to bribe them uh, so they can be released, their car should not be apprehended. But uh, we do live in a better country. When you talk about uh, corruption being ingrained, I guess we can say that goes completely well uh, related to our political system. Then it is ingrained in all possible levels. Thank you for those insights into society of Brazil. Uh, dear listeners, now comes Kim Schönrock with her contribution to today's show. Assalamu alaikum. Planet Mundus. My name is Claudio Couto. I am a political scientist and I teach political science at Fundação Getúlio Vargas, that is a foundation. All right. So looking into Brazil's history of corruption, how bad is the level of corruption in the country right now compared to the times of the military dictatorship? I think that it used to be worse. Now in Brazil, I believe that we have institutions that are more uh, effective in terms of challenge corruption, in terms of uh, discovering what's going on, in terms of punishing the people involved in that, and we have more transparency than we used it to have. And this is what makes corruption today much better than it used it to be 40 years ago during the dictatorship. But when the corruption is fought and there is less corruption than there used to be, why are the people protesting? Shouldn't they be happy? When problems of corruption, they become known by, by the people, when people become a knowledge of that, well, uh, the perception of corruption increases. And I believe that the perception of corruption increases much more than the real corruption. And this is why the president faces several problems nowadays. So it is a matter of perception. Claudio says yes, because there are other things going on in the country that people are less aware of and which are therefore less discussed. Just right now, besides this scandal concerning the oil company that has a very important political dimension, we had another and larger scandal of corruption in terms of the money concerning bureaucrats from the Treasury, guys that were responsible for collecting taxes and that had uh, agreements with private companies to uh, provide them the pardon of the fees, of the fines, and of the taxes that they had to pay. But since the oil company involves political parties, politicians, it became a much more visible scandal. Okay, maybe the perception is misleading sometimes, but corruption is an everyday business in the country nonetheless. So how corrupt is the current government? On a scale from 0 to 10, 0 being not corrupt at all, 10 being highly corrupt. 
<laughs> this is difficult. Well, I would consider 10 as the level of corruption that used to have during the, the military dictatorship, and zero, a situation like you have perhaps in Norway, <laughs> a very low level of corruption. I would say that this government is in some places between four and six. Uh, I don't know exactly how much corrupt they are because it's impossible to know exactly what's the level of corruption that we have, but they are somewhat in the middle. So what else has to be done to get Brazil out of the middle and up the ladder? Despite the fact that we tend to link corruption to public agents, to public actors, to politicians, to members of the bureaucracy, it's impossible to have corruption if you don't have the corruptors, that is, the ones who pay the bribe. And in general, the ones who pay the bribe are not the members of the public administration. They are members of the private sector. And so it's important, like it's happening right now, that these guys from the private sector, they are also punished for participating in the corruption process, to being the corruptors. Kim Schönrock for Planet Mundus. Planet Mundus. Thanks a lot, Kim, for an excellent piece that sparked quite the controversy here in the recording booth. Uh, what our listeners can see is that Pedro was shaking his head violently. Uh, Pedro, would you uh, explain us your discomfort? I actually yeah, I agree precisely uh, uh, with what was said. The only problem, I guess, was when you try to scale corruption in Brazil. Simply, if I can put it that way, for the size of our political system. I don't know if that's correct to understand it, but imagine the size of our country, the presidential level, the parliament, uh, deputies and senators, governors in 27 states, the city halls. So actually, when you talk about is there corruption in this government, it's a very hard thing to affirm or even to ask because what people feel over there is the corruption that is around them, on their city halls, on their governments, on oligarchies that dominate the state they live in for 40, 50, 60 years. I guess what's being done in our country that are making people really angry is not actually corruption in one government, the previous one, or uh, even the concern with the next one. Is the corruption that begins over there, uh, some steps away from their home in their, in their city hall, and then goes all the way until the federal level. Yeah, I guess the grade the professor mentioned, like four to six, is a little bit low. <laughs> I would put it higher than that, definitely. If we would ask, actually, what's the rate of corruption in Brazil, then we could say, well, even higher than that. For me, it's a very, very difficult thing for you to say a level of corruption in this government, in that. It's something that is happening over there at all levels. We heard the professor talking um, about calls to return to the dictatorship. That is quite something in a democracy uh, that is as young as the Brazilian democracy. Do you know the persons uh, who are in favor of a new dictatorship? Yes, we have a group, it's, it's a small group, but really influential, that calls for the return of the dictatorship. And there is this deputy, which is Jair Bolsonaro. He's a deputy from Rio de Janeiro. Uh, and uh, he is a very controversial person, I would say. I, I experienced actually a very controversial 
fact, like I was interviewing him with a group of journalists and uh, one journalist asked a question that he didn't like in that moment and he just uh, told the journalist to shut up and the journalist was like really upset. Uh, you were telling me to shut up, you cannot say that. And then he answered, you are censored. He said that the word like really strongly you were censored just go out of here and that uh, caused a lot of uh, you know a major commotion among the journalists that were there because uh, a deputy elected by people in a democratic country talking about censorship to a journalist so that was a really something you know can imagine that. Um, so I guess we all agree that the return to the dictatorship is nothing we would wish for. Uh, what do you see then as the way out of this current mess? Pedro, you perhaps want to go first. I guess the same way we see uh, in all democracies that came before ours, uh, political education. I guess if we can prepare our citizens for a better understanding of what goes on today, uh, ethics, I would put it that way, since we do respect when we look here, for example, at Scandinavian countries, some European countries, I guess the thing we respect the most is their commitment to the social good. Uh, fortunately, our generations today in Brazil, they do not think that way. So maybe uh, making a way of getting this political education since we are kids, our schools, that can be a way out of this kind of practice in our political system. Giselle? Education is a key point, but of course uh, it's something that we cannot see immediately. So talking in terms of immediate actions, I think that we could have a political reform to have a better Congress, a better government. That would be a great start, definitely. You talked about immediate changes. Um, if tomorrow was election day in Brazil and we could miraculously bring you over to Brazil to vote, would there be someone you would definitely know now, I would vote for that person, for that party? Yeah, uh, I would vote for Aécio Neves, definitely, which was the candidate for the Social Democratic Party, uh, just for a change, really. Pedro? I don't know who I would vote for to be completely honest. I know who I wouldn't vote for. Who would that be? Oh, this candidate that she just mentioned. Oh, why that? Well, he's part of the same party and coalition that control Brazil for years and years and years. Privatizations, not welfare state at all in our country. In my opinion, those are kind of politicians that should not come back, at least in this moment, until their ideals are changed. In my opinion, they are not, maybe in the nearby future. So you were not for a change? I am in a change for a better situation, not a worse one. <laughs> I guess that is something we can all agree on, a change for a better situation. Um, dear listeners, before we end our show, I will put back on my clown's makeup and we'll try to make uh, another tongue-in-cheek contribution for this episode. Esto es Planet Mundos. Ah, uh, Brazil. What the heck are you doing? Why do you have to take to the streets now? 
why do you think that now would be a good timing to demand less corruption, more thoughtful spending and political reforms? <sighs> you know, I really, really would like to see the Olympics next year in Rio and breaking news, events like the Olympics or the Football World Cup rely on exactly those virtues you are protesting against now. Corruption, megalomaniac hubris of the political and economic elite and a political system that, well, you know, can throw a punch against its own people. Honestly, how can you be so selfish? Did you forget that you owe us rich western publics a great show? If I'm not mistaken, there even should be a clause in the Olympia contract saying that the International Olympic Committee IOC owns your country for the time of the games. For Pete's sake, in 2012, when Olympia was in London, they created extra driving lanes in one of the most dense city centers of the world. They even turned the streetlights to green for the upper echelons of the IOC. Now that was some commitment. Really, get it together Brazil. The World Cup happened less than a year ago and brought you progress and prosperity. That's a narrative. A mega event comes, infrastructure is being built, ghettos are being cleaned up, nations are united in peaceful athletic competition and they live happily ever after. How are we going to uphold the narrative if you in the first best moment after we've gone all of a sudden start to develop a democratic awareness? No one needs that. More and more we have to build on countries that are rather autocratic and don't give a flying fuck about the measly billions it might cost to build a dozen stadiums. And seriously, what are you even protesting for? You could have it way worse. The other countries we nowadays have to choose for events like Olympia and the World Cup have to deal with political murder, no freedom of press, strongly limited human rights and slave workers who die in the hundreds. What's a little corruption against that? It just lubricates the system, you know? Gets shit done. A little corruption has never hurt someone. Ask our friends from the FIFA or the IOC. They're practically experts in corruption. What I'm saying is this. We need the funny, samba dancing, slightly tipsy Brazil back. Not the new, sober, fiscally responsible and uncorrupt one. We can sell that. No one wants to see a sad clown. Our business partners paid us to see Carnival Brazil. The media wants to see colorful favela Brazil. So please, just comply, okay? You can be all grown up after we've gone and left you in a hangover of crippling debt and the aftermath of mismanaged public funds. But for now, we rely on you to make a fool of yourself for our entertainment. Uh, otherwise we'd have to deal with our own problems. Um, believe me, no one wants that. This is Jan Willems for Planet Bundes. And with this, we would like to conclude today's show. I thank our guests Giselle and Pedro for making the time for us. And I hope the tensions here in the studio have not brought you apart yet. You're still in love? Still yes, good? we are still in love. Thank you so much. Definitely. We do hope actually that the tension will not prevent you guys from going to Brazil. The country, the country spectral over there. A nice country, believe in me. Thank you again. Dear listeners, as always, we would be more than thankful if you would follow us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. You can even check this comment on our website, which is planetmundus.com. Behold the marvels of the digital age. On planetmundus.com, you can also read this week's blog entry by John Anger, who was together with Ching Lee, also the editor of today's episode. Today's technical producer was Daphne Henning and our San Francisco secret weapon Hans Liedke was as always working in the shadows on the post-production. Thank you a lot from all of us. Just...